Lisa so much for that. That was Lisa Lowry visiting with us this morning, and what a joy it is to have you with us. We are grateful for you helping to lead us to the throne this morning. Well, I want us to pick up in our series on things that matter. I want us to talk for just the next few minutes and to look at God's Word together at a vital part of our Christian experience, and that's a, one of biblical community. Now, when you hear the word community, I'm not sure what you hear, what you think. Sometimes we hear the word community and we immediately think of some strange cult-like commune in California. And you think, well, if I join into a community, then I'm going to have to sell everything I own and wear bib overalls and move to this commune and, you know, plant peanuts and, and live in some strange way with other strange people. It sounds like something that's dropped out of another world. The idea of a Christian community. I mean, the thought. Now, we have so uh, lightly used the word and thrown it around and tossed it around that we believe that community or, or biblical fellowship is just nothing more than a potluck or a Sunday school class. But it's far, far deeper than that. And I think when we misunderstand what it means to be a biblical community, we lose out on one of God's greatest gifts for us. The fact that we are never, ever, ever created to do life alone. Now, I've told you this before as a part of my own personal testimony. I, I have discovered in life that you can be in a crowd full of people and feel lonely. Would you agree with that? You don't have to be alone to be lonely. But the reality is that Christians can experience a level of intimate fellowship and community that none other in the world can experience, and that's by design. God made us that way. God designed it that way so that you and I, as part of one body together, could experience great fellowship. When I think about the word fellowship, oftentimes we immediately think potluck, and we as Baptists immediately think about fried chicken. I mean, it's just part of it. It is a spiritual gift for many of us. We believe that that's a blessing of God. I heard a story of a man who called his friend, and, and they, they were uh, trying to plan out some of the church potluck, and he said, listen, my wife told me to call you, and here's the deal. I'm supposed to bring the cheese, and you and your wife need to bring the bread. And he said, hold on, that's a lot to remember. I mean, he's just at that place in his life. He said, I'll get this confused, and I'll get in trouble. He said, I got a simple, foolproof way for you to remember this. Sing this simple song. Jesus loves you. That's all you need. That was cheesy, I know. But when we think about a potluck, and we think about gathering around a table, I think about the times that I've gathered around tables with my Christian community. If you'll indulge me for a minute, I'll just go back to meeting in the activity center some years ago after my father's funeral, and we had community there. The body of Christ met a need in our lives. The body of Christ, not just of physical food, but of emotional support, spiritual support, encouragement. And there was joy even in a time of grief because we have the confident hope and assurance of a, an eternal fellowship. And yet the body of Christ met a need here and now. If you'll indulge me for a minute, I would go to a, a, a home in North Idaho and think about a fledgling new congregation 
with just a few of us gathered around a table. We had planted a church, and at that point it was just a handful of us. And we were around one table, and as we met around that table, and we broke bread together, and we studied the Word of God together, and we prayed together. It got to the place week after week where we could not wait for Sunday. We wanted so desperately to get back together and see what God had done in each of our individual lives that week. And we wanted to get back together because we didn't want to miss out on anything. I remember a young couple in, in that uh, church that would call us from time to time. They would have to be away and they would call and they'd just want to hear what God had done in that fellowship. Christian fellowship is vital. In fact, I want to encourage you to do this. If you have a bulletin with you, we're not going to have all of the words on the screen, so you're going to have to really focus. We'll draw in together. But look at your bulletin at our statement of affirmation today. Our statement of affirmation, and I want us to read this together. You ready? Everybody sit up straight, take in a deep breath, and read it like you mean it. Here we go. I fellowship with other Christians to accomplish God's purposes in my life, others' lives, and in the world. We're talking about how it matters, the, the behaviors of your life. And one of the foundational behaviors of the Christian experience is that you and I would fellowship with other believers. Let me ask you just very simply before we come to our text in Acts chapter 2, have you ever found yourself in need of the body of Christ? I, I can see by the expressions and hear the groans immediately. Mm, yes, absolutely. Have you ever found yourself where the body of Christ met a need in your life? There's nothing like the local church. The local church really is the hope of the world. And the body of Christ, by design, Jesus the head, and each of us is many-membered body with unique talents, unique gifts, unique abilities, unique personalities, all coming together as one body. And that fellowship is so incredibly sweet. You know, community really is, I, I said it seems like sometimes it's, it's almost like it was dropped in from some other world, but it's from the world that God intended the world to be. It, it is a gift of rich and challenging life together. Community's not easy. And, and as we think about these statements, you can see them in your notes. I want to just read this. Community is not a peripheral Christian teaching. It is central to the outworking of God's purpose in the world. It's not uh, outside of it. I believe that biblical community is so essential in the life of a Christ follower that we would include it in this series and say it is that important. Let's continue reading. Community is not a nice-to-have add-on, but a key part of God's divine design. God is glorified when He is properly reflected by dwelling in unity. We rightly image our Maker. In fact, I want to start there even before we get to the text, and you can fill in this blank. One facet of bearing the image of God means that we can relate. Fill in that word, relate. Think about that. We hear that we are created in the image of God. But what does that mean? What does it mean to bear the image of God? It simply means this, that we as human beings have the capacity to relate. You say, well, how does that bear the image of God? I'm glad you asked. We've talked about the eternal nature of our God. Our triune God exists in eternity, from eternity past to eternity future, in perfect community. God is not 
the, the same. Jesus uh, as the Son, God, the Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit are not the same. They are one. We know we have one God. But oneness and sameness are not the same. Do you realize that? My wife and I are one in marriage, but we're not the same. We have radically different ideas about all kinds of things. I, I can give you a simple test, and you would know this. How many of you would say that a toilet paper roll should go over? How many of you would say a toilet paper roll should go under? Good, there's only a few of you that are wrong. That's great. I'm, I'm glad to know that. Amen. We think differently, we emote differently, we relate differently, but sameness and oneness are not the same. Think about this. Harmony is a beautiful musical expression that experienced in life is wonderful. In the Christian life, it's grand and glorious. Think about this. You don't have to play the same note. If if somebody was going to do a musical concert, if our choir said, we're going to sing a song for you, and they sang one note all the way through, we would give them the benefit of the doubt and listen for just a little bit. It would not be, even if you had perfect pitch and hit that one note with beautiful vibrato or whatever all that you can add to that in terms of musical expression, they just did that one note perfectly. I'm not going to sit and listen to this choir or any other choir sing one note for very long. Are you? Probably not. But you know what? They sing accompanying notes that go together, and they are harmonious. They sing notes that have the same wavelength. They're different pitches. They're at different uh, levels, but they go together. And in great harmony, that's what a marriage looks like. That's what our eternal God looks like. He is harmonious. Jesus, in John 17, prayed that you and I would be one as he and the Father are one. Oneness is at the heart of all that God does. In fact, sin is the thing that separates. When we think about the wages of sin being what? Death. Death is nothing more than separation. The body is separated from the spirit. We go to a funeral and we look at the body and that shell of a person is there, but the person is gone. They've been separated. We know that eternal death is the ultimate separation of a person from the presence of God. Now, when we think about that, that's not God's design, his plan, his desire. God desires that none should perish. His desire is that we would all be made one. Not that we become gods, but we become godly. And we are engrafted into or adopted into the family of God. Well, that was a long introduction, wasn't it? Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Let's look there together. Acts chapter 2. We have the ability to relate to one another, and that is part of bearing the image of God. As we look together in the book of Acts, We're seeing the generosity and the growth of the early church. Look in verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Then fear came over everyone. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed their proceeds to all as anyone had a need. 
And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those that were being saved. I want us to pray together, and then I want uh, to, to see some insights from this passage about biblical community. Father, thank you for this instruction from your word and this description from your word of the early church. I thank you, God, for the, the beauty of all that you did in that day as, as the gospel was preached and with power your spirit uh, came upon people. I thank you, Lord, that this spirit-filled picture of the church uh, is still available to us today. The same resurrection power is available today. We thank you for your spirit in this place. God, I'm thankful for men and women who have surrendered themselves to you and are a part of this fellowship. Oh, God, I pray that you would help us to understand uh, this passage and that we would glean from it the truths that you desire for us. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. There are all sizes and shapes and types of churches. There are churches that are, are lively in the way that they worship. There are churches that are reverent in the, the way, in the style of their music. There are different kinds of churches. There are different churches based on small groups or home groups. There are churches based on Sunday school growth. There are churches that are large and some that are very intimate and small. And yet all of them, if they are healthy, have this as one of the core tenets, biblical community. There's a sense that it's a place to belong. There's a place where people know your hurts and love you and know your struggles and love you anyway. If you've been there, if you've experienced that, most of you, many of you have that right here. We, we've got a home. You find your Sunday school class, your Bible fellowship group, and others that are around you to be your source of inspiration and strength in Christ. And the early church experienced that same thing. Now, some would, would tackle this problem and say, you know, a big church is just not a friendly church. But I would tell you, anything that's healthy continues to grow. And so we, we can look at different ideas about different models of churches, but I'll say this, the church at Jerusalem in one day increased by 3,000. It was, by all American standards, a mega church. If we look at our standards, this church was significant. I would imagine that the day after Pentecost, somebody was sitting in somebody's seat because there were 3,000 people there, brand new. They didn't know where anybody sat because yesterday there was a handful. But the Spirit of God came in power, and God, I want you to see this very first point. When we think about biblical community, God assembles the body. Write that down. God assembles the body. Right out of verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So what, what is this body? It's the body of believers. Very important for you to fill that in. God assembles the body, and it's the body of believers. Now, I want you to hear this, church. There are a lot of churches in America that I would call churches of tares. The Bible talks about wheat and tares. 
There are a lot of church expressions today that have very little to do with actual belief in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of feel-good preaching going on around, scratching, tickling ears, just listening to their felt needs and trying to address those. And, and I'm not throwing stones, but I'm simply saying we need to be guarded and careful. If a church is not founded on the Lord Jesus Christ and preaching the Word of God, as Adrian Rogers used to say, you need to saturate that church with your absence. You need to get out of that place. Some of you will go home and get that later and think through that. You can fill a church with tares. Now, who adds tares to the church? The Bible says the enemy is the one that comes and sows tares among the wheat. Satan is filling places up, and he's patting them on the back and making them feel good. But there's no sense of repentance. There's no sense of agony of pouring our hearts out and crying out to the Lord over our sins and our sinful condition and for our nation. And the Lord added to the church those who believe. I want you to see that. It's right there in the text. He added to them those who believed. You see, you can have friendships with your lost neighbor. You can have friendships with people that don't know the Lord. You will never experience community with a lost person. Community is a depth of relationship that is deeper than anything this world offers. I, I know tons of lost people that get together and have a great time. They have a, a rip-roaring time. But the reality is, biblical community, an investment that Christ is in the center of, and our relationships are bonded in Him, is like none other in the world. It's not just a pat on the back and a warm feeling and a meal. Oh no, we receive far more than that from this church and other churches in times of need. And you have too if you've ever experienced it. Biblical community is an intimacy. There is a sense that your life is filled with the Spirit of God. And my life is filled with the Spirit of God. And together when we gather, we are in a fellowship built and designed by God. Because God assembles the body. And that's why it's so important that we guard the gate. Think about this with me. I'm talking about current issues, current right ripped from the headlines. If we're not paying attention and we're not watching, then we just simply say, oh, we just want more people. And so we'll just encourage and beg and plead for people to come. I, I'm not going to plead for people to come and join our church. I'm going to plead for people to come to Christ. And if they come to Christ, we'll baptize them in Christ and welcome them into our body. But God builds the church. You don't need a pastor that's going to put together a song and dance that will draw crowds. We can draw crowds, but God didn't call us to draw crowds. He draws us to community in Christ. Now, I'm not bashing large churches. There were 3,000 people in this one that day. And it says that the Lord kept adding daily. I want to see this church grow. I pray that we go to two services and three services and six services and plant churches all around the world. I pray that we see people added to this church. But it's important that the people that are added to this church know Jesus. I have a friend who is a pastor in Birmingham, and a few years ago, he led his church through a process called Renew. And they just got together, and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to re-up our commitment to this church. He preached on it for months and months, and the time came, and they signed covenant cards for eight weeks. And when they did, he said, if you aren't here for those eight weeks, I mean, he started preaching six months before about renewal. And he said, if you're not here January, February to sign a card, you can go back through the membership process, present yourself as a member, and join the church. He had people dog cussing him, saying, I can't believe you'd kick people out of the church. 
He said, you mean to tell me that if you're not here in eight weeks, you still want to consider yourself to be an active part of our church family? He said, think about that. Community ought to be such that we are not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves. By the way, his name's Ryan Whitley, and he served on staff here some years ago. What happened in their church was amazing, though. They had several families that, that did not renew their covenants. In fact, it went down several hundred. But in the weeks and months that followed, their church grew. Because they came to a place of getting lean and saying, believers gather together and experience what the Bible tells us we're to experience. I, I think you and I are so quick to just hide behind a cup of coffee in a Sunday school class and smile at each other and eat a donut and call that Christian community or fellowship and walk out of here unchanged by anyone. We need to slow ourselves down and experience relationships, doing life together. God assembles the body of believers, and when he does, we begin to depend on one another. I think it's interesting. Webster defines fellowship as a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. That's not what we're talking about in biblical community. When I think about biblical community, we're talking about something deeper than just sharing an interest. We share a common Savior. Amen? We, we share a common father. We all have been adopted into the family of God. Think about this. People often say, well, we are all God's, what? Children. Is that really true? Well, by virtue of creation, we all belong to him because he created us all. But the Bible says that he adopts us as we believe into his family. John 1, 12, to as many as have believed in him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God. That adoption would not be necessary if we were already all his children. His children are those who have believed. And we see here they believed, they were baptized into the fellowship, and they shared far more than a common interest. They have been baptized into Christ. Now, why are you taking time to go through all of that, Brother Scott? Because I think from this early picture, we see how far we've gotten off base. Think about what they did. Let's look together. Keeping on in verse 42. I love this. They devoted themselves. They devoted, I don't want to lose that word, themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Number two, I want you to see this. God directs the body. God directs the body. And the body follows. From the beginning, they knew that they needed each other for survival. And they knew that this was different. They knew that persecution would come. They knew that struggle would come. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, we're on the verge of persecution today. We're on the verge of it today in a cultural war where we can't decide whether a little boy should go to a boy's bathroom or should have the right to go to a girl's bathroom. That's in our legislature right now. That's being dealt with all around. And people are mocking and taunting and saying we are being bigoted and we're being intolerant. In this day and in this age, the only place that it is okay to be intolerant is to be intolerant toward the beliefs of Christians. And I believe that's happening all over the place. And it's going to continue to happen. And if you and I are not believers committed to it. See, those that aren't true believers are going to fall away. They're going to say, well, that's enough. And, and I'm not trying to, to be a fear monger in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We win. I know that. Amen? 
We, we can celebrate with confident expectation the coming of Christ. But in this culture, if you and I aren't following the directions as believers assembled in Christ and following Him, we're going to miss out on what He has for us. Here's the reality. God directs the body. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. You see, God had given the apostles and given them the word to speak and to teach and to guide, and they devoted themselves to it. They were connected with, with fervency. We want to follow what God teaches us. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, I've seen this in commentaries that said this is about the Lord's Supper. They were gathered around the Lord's table. But it says they broke bread daily from house to house. So I think it had to do with fellowship. I'm thankful that that is there. I really am. Potluck is my love language. And I'm grateful that we have that opportunity. Some of you will appreciate that later too. Maybe not. There's something about getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ around the table and just enjoying God filling us up physically and spiritually. But God directed them. And this pattern from the New Testament church of devotion to the Word of God and leadership by the Spirit of God and prayer as a passionate priority, it ought to be evident throughout our church and churches all over. God directs the body. They understood they needed each other. Number three, I want you to see this. God unites the body. God unites the body and the body interacts. Now this is one of those places that's kind of interesting, especially in our current political climate as we consider certain ideologies. Some people would say, well right there, Christianity supports socialism or communism. Well, let's look at it together from the text. Verse 44, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceed to all as anyone had need. There's a great difference in communism in theory and communism in practice. And I want you to think about this with me. In Acts chapter 2, the people were giving to each other out of their own goodwill to those who had a need. They were giving freely without regulation of how much or what they were supposed to give. In other words, they shared what they had out of love for one another and a common goal that no one would be without. They were living for Christ and they were glorifying Him. In a communist society or in socialism, people give because a system of government tells them to give and forces them to give and mandates that they give. They don't have a choice in the matter as to how much or to whom. And that, therefore, does not reflect what we see here in Acts. And I wanted to make sure that, that we make that clear. They, they don't have any kind of a choice under communism. And the cheerful, generous giver and the stingy man are both required to give the same thing. Here, they give freely, liberally, generously, joyfully. And the issue is this. Cheerful giving is something that the Bible does encourage. The, the Bible does long for uh, or, or does promote capitalism in, in this and I'm not preaching capitalism but I want you to think about it it's actually a better system when it comes to giving because it's been proven somebody that has a generous heart in Christ will want to work hard so that they can gain more so that they can give more in fact John Wesley said that he said work all you can to get all you can to gain all you can so that you can make all that you can so that you can give all you can and you've heard me say it, all of us at times are just uh, urged with greed to say, I'm going to get all I can and put it in a can and sit on the can. I just want to hang on to it. 
But here, generous giving marked their lives. And if one brother had two coats and one had none, there was no issue. This brother got a coat. Now, the Bible says if your man won't work, he shouldn't eat. There's a clear picture that it wasn't that I just sit back and am somehow entitled because my brother has two coats that he'll give me a coat. But there was generosity there. And all I'm saying in all of this is that when you begin to look at biblical community led by the Spirit of God, it comes to a place where we give everything that we have to Jesus and then throughout the body he distributes it. I I love the concept of how the body helps the body. I, I not long ago was working on some projects. We've just recently in the last six months moved. We've had projects around. I was hanging some pictures and, and doing, doing some other work. I was out in the garage working on a shelf. And I took this hand and maliciously, viciously attacked this hand with a hammer. I mean, it was absolutely assault and battery. This hand just took it out on that thumb right there. But you know what the rest of my body did? The rest of my body actually came to defense of my thumb. When I hit my thumb, I dropped the hammer with this hand, and my brain, I didn't even tell it consciously to do all this, but my brain said, let go of that hammer, and so I did. That hand, my, my brain told this hand to grab that thumb, and it did. My brain told my shoulders to, to shrug, and they did. Now, there was a word or two that crossed my brain's path and, and a couple of them are in the Old Testament so I guess they're legal to say but I didn't say them I said oh glory I think but my body diffused the pain of my thumb hurting by coming around it tense muscles and other places I joke with that if you ever had pain diffused by the body of Christ It is a magnificent thing when the body does what the body does. When we gather together and there as we see, they were in awe and wonder of the working of the Spirit of God. And they, when they are in that place, there's not a sense of greed, there's a sense of generosity. And they gave toward one another and they met one another's needs. You want to know how to tell the difference between wheat and tares? Well, it's kind of tough. It really is. But if you see somebody that's greedy and power hungry and self-serving and stirring up disunity in the church, more than likely they don't belong in the church. Maybe they just need a gentle rebuke, but maybe they need to get saved. The reality is when churches are functioning the way they're supposed to, it's like a harmonious symphony where all of the notes go together. It's not the same note. We're a many-membered body. But Christ is the head. He's the one that conducts all the rest. And when He conducts our lives in oneness, in unity, in purpose, in fellowship, we gather together, and that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Amen? That's the kind of church that I want to pastor. I want to stand. Amen? I just want us to stand together and recognize that God's desire and His design for us is that we would live meeting needs in the lives of others, drawing strength from one another, sharpening one another, growing, sanctified together, growing in this process of growing up into maturity in Christ. God is the one who directs the body. God is the one who unites the body. And that's that third one. So let's go back through them. God assembles the body, the body believers. Two, God directs the body. The body follows. Three, God unites the body. And the body interacts. That's what we see here. They're interacting together. Fourthly and finally, God supplies the body. And the body grows. God supplies the body and the body grows. 
when we, re we reflect our connection to Christ as the head of the body, the body will grow. I I'm encouraged by Jesus' words in Matthew where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said my church will grow, it will develop, and it will be prevailing. We don't have to prove the church's worth. Listen to these words of Arthur Pink. We do not have to prove the church's worth. The Lord Jesus has already done that by sharing with us that the church is his body, that he loved the church, he gave himself for her. She is his bride, and he is head over all things for the church, and that he will not permit the gates of hell to prevail against her. Christians are duty-bound to think about things uh, think about things as their Lord and Savior does. And he has told us that the church remains the apple of his eye. I, I can't imagine at this stage in my Christian life ever willfully doing something that would damage the unity of any church. I, I say that as a warning to all of us, not in particular to any person anywhere. I'm saying it to me. This church belongs to Jesus. He shed his blood for it. It's not my church. It's not the deacon's church. It's not a committee's church. This church and every other church belongs to Jesus. And we must treat the church, the bride of Christ, with great respect. But we also need to recognize we treat it from the inside because we are the church. And that fellowship under the headship of Christ ought to drive every decision. I, I don't know why you're here this morning but I want you to know this, we don't come to church to hear sermons or to catch up on gossip or as a social exercise. We come because we all belong to Christ, the head of the church. And as we surrender to him and draw strength from him, together we sharpen one another and love one another toward Christ. I, I wrap this up by just reminding you that there are over 50 statements in Scripture that are called the one another's. Over a third of those are given to the unity of the body. Why do I share all of this? I share it because I want you to see a church that prays together stays together. A church that's unified around the Lordship of Jesus Christ will have significant impact. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Um, be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another when beginning the Lord's Supper. I love this one, Galatians 5, 15. Don't bite, devour, or consume one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Or do you begin to see a pattern? The pattern is that when I give deference to your preferences, your needs, your life, over and above my own, because I'm dead to my own life and alive to Christ, then my life is fulfilled and so is yours. You need me, he said humbly. No, I need you, he said askingly. My desire is that we would come to the place today where we go in our hearts and our minds. We need each other and we would depend on each other with greater and greater measure. And when we do, there were two or three words that described them, great adjectives. They were filled with awe and wonder, and they ate with joy. I want our church filled with joy because we have biblical community. Maybe just maybe you're longing for that kind of relationship. Maybe you've, as the old country song said, you've looked for love in all the wrong places. 
You can find real giving sacrificial love in the body of Christ because we are recipients of the sacrificial love of Jesus. Maybe today you need to be saved. Maybe today you need to stop that search and get off that treadmill of giving yourself away to others to try to hopefully find love and recognize that there are people here that would welcome you with open arms because Jesus, our head, tells us to be his hands and feet. If you need to be saved today, there'll be members of our staff that will be here, and we'd love to take God's Word and share with you what it means to be a Christian. We are not here to to harm you or embarrass you in any way. We want to help you. We want to encourage you, and I would pray that you would do so. If you're looking for a church home, I can tell you this. This isn't a perfect one, but it's a good one. In fact, I can't think of any better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart God is forming something special here at Hardy Street. I believe he's doing something special. And I think as we pray together as a church family, we'll begin to see incredible things. In fact, what his word says, call unto me, I will answer you. I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. I'm looking forward to calling out with you for the next 30 days. Let's pray together. Father, as we enter this time of decision, I pray that our hearts will be in tune with your heart. God, if there's anyone here that has something against a Christian brother or sister, I pray that they would get those things right, that they would bring them to the altar. God, I pray that our our lives would be consumed with a desire to know you more and to know you together. Lord, I pray for that one that is away from you, that's far from you. God, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. Have your way during this time of decision. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Members of the staff are here. Let's stand together as we sing.